Well, welcome everyone on this um, beautiful autumn day, in Sydney at least anyway, um, may not be autumn for everyone. I want to say a few words today um, based on a, a quote from uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's reading that we do in our sutra reading, The Path of Practice. He says, the present moment contains past and future. The secret of transformation is how we handle this very moment. So I want to focus particularly on the, uh, the past, which is in the present. We all know, we're all familiar with the fact of Zen training is to live your life in the present moment. But let's look a little bit more closely at the past in the present moment. Now, all human beings um, through their life, from the, from the time they're born, through their childhood and adolescence and adulthood, um, come into contact with suffering of one kind or another um, that may be the result of often interaction with other human beings or it could be natural disasters or whatever. And uh, people experience being hurt by other people, neglected by other people, betrayed by other people, and we do it ourselves to others. It all goes round and around. And we have often um, not only pleasant or neutral um, memories, emotional memories from the past, but painful ones as well, or unpleasant ones. And they resurface. Um, they play themselves out in the present moment. We're, we're very aware as psychologists and counsellors how um, past traumas replay themselves in the present moment. They get triggered off by, by similar events in the past. Or, um, it, but it's not just, not just thinking of um, severe trauma like post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm thinking about any kind of general dukkha or suffering that people go through. So on a simple level, if you... Um, if you get bitten by a dog, you'll have an, a, a memory of being how painful it was and you'll be wary of dogs, you know, and at a more human level, do you know, if you felt like you, you've, um, you're broken hearted because you've been in a relationship and say you felt betrayed or whatever, then it's going to have an impact on the way that you relate to other people who may want to get close to you again. And the main emotions that get triggered off through all of this is um, fear and anger. And um, I don't want to dwell in the neuroscience of it very much, but just to mention it, um, as you're probably familiar with it, but some of the main centres they find in our brain that are identified with the triggering off of um, anger and fear as primary basic emotions and the memories associated with it is the fight-flight mechanism, is the amygdala, and very close next door to it in the brain is the hippocampus, which is the emotional memory. And those two, two parts of our brain are always chatting to one another. Like is it assessing is what do we know from the, from the past that was dangerous or not, so that we can be on guard and we have to get fearful and, and, and fly, or we have to get aggressive and fight. That, that's getting, that, that's playing. Um, a lot in our minds all the time and so it's a matter of the past it's not in the past anymore it's being reproduced 
in the present moment over and over again. And um, it's important that we, that we look at it. And as uh, Thich Nhat Hanh said, the secret of transformation is how we handle this very moment and how we handle those past memories um, coming into mind if they do. If they don't, then that's fine. But if they do, um, how do we actually handle them? Now, many aspects of modern Western psychotherapy, particularly analytic therapies, deal sometimes for years and years, um, looking at our, particularly our childhood experiences of trauma or neglect or a misattunement from important figures in our life. But it goes beyond that. And, and that can be useful for some people to heal past distresses in their life. Not everyone, and I would be one person who's not entirely comfortable with that approach, I can see its benefit. But from a Dharma perspective, the, the downside of that, if you're always exploring your past and your childhood and where the source of your suffering comes from, you can stay stuck in the past and you can stay stuck there for too long and you create various kind of stories out of it about yourself that you're a victim or life isn't fair you know or had bad parents or whatever it might be um and it's very and it's very important i think to go back to a very basic part of buddhist psychology which is like a lot of the buddhist teachings are metaphorical and you're probably familiar with it but i'll remind you is the first arrow and the second arrow the first arrow is when a warrior gets hit by an arrow and it's physically painful. He's got an arrow in his chest, right? In the here and now, it's a present, it, it, it's a painful experience. And then the second arrow, which is the, the one which creates psychological suffering that the Buddha is teaching us. If you then go, well, why was I the, the one out of a thousand people that got hit by an arrow? It's not fair, you know, and we create stories around it. And it's that second arrow which is, which is the source of suffering, not really the first arrow, that's just life happening. But we, if, we keep, if we don't pull out the second arrow, which is all of the ruminative thinking and storytelling we create out of that original experience, from a Dharma psychology perspective, that, that's suffering. And so what can be useful even through meditation practice are dealing with past distresses that keep on emerging in the present. If you can, if they, if they keep on emerging, they keep troubling you, um, it is important to, to stay present to it because it's actually a, a body sensation of, um, of sensory experience you're occurring, like a, a grief re-emerging, for instance. Um, one way you can work with that in the present in a skillful way is you can bring up that memory and just enough that it evokes the emotion and it evokes the it evokes the body sensation of it and you just sit with the body sensation you come it's body based it's not thinking based you don't keep going over the memory you don't keep going over the story you just evoke it enough to be with those present moment sensations and i think that's a skillful way of dealing with it and there's a number of books that have come out recently, psychology books, not Dharma books, um, 
which have titles like The Body Keeps the Score um, or The Body Remembers. We have, we have body sensation memories of distressing things. And if you stay just present to the, the coming and going of those painful or unpleasant experiences, if you just stay present to it long enough without adding a story onto it, somehow they get integrated into the flow of life. Instead of just being stuck there as a kind of a stagnant pool that just sort of flows with the stream. You know, the constant stream, which is always, even in the present moment, is always pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, pleasant, painful, neutral. It, it keeps coming and going, but it's just part of that whole stream. We don't just narrow down onto one particular part of our life. Um, One of the um, terms we use in Buddhism and in Zen in particular, <clears throat> um, which we don't talk about very much, but it's the word upaya, U-P-A-Y-A, and it translates as skillful means. Now, it's often used in a Zen sense of the skillful means that past Zen teachers had of bringing people to awakening. Um, a skillful means might be hitting someone with a stick or they might be some, some well-chosen words that wake someone up. So it's often used in that context. But it can be also, upaya can be used in, in the sense of how we um, skillfully manage things that arise in the, pro, in the moment in, in everyday life. Mm -hmm. Um, how do we just negotiate relationships with other people and situations in a way which is appropriate and skillful? And they generally will be appropriate and skillful when we're not blindly driven by intense emotions of fear or anger, that it comes from a, not necessarily free of those emotions, but from a, a more settled place. And so, for instance, a skillful means, an upaya for everyday life, which is very useful for people to have, is assertiveness. Um, although I put the word calm assertiveness in front of it um, to, to highlight that um, assertiveness doesn't have to come from some hostile, agitated place, but it can come from a, a much more measured place in yourself. That, that comes back to the secret of transformation is how we handle this very moment. Mm -hmm. And if we're driven by anger, then our responses to life will often be angry, hostile, aggressive. Um, and, if, um, and if we're triggered into fear, we just withdraw and we're conflict avoidant. So neither of those things are, are, are skillful. And we must remember that the third place we often go into when we're triggered when our amygdala is triggered, is into frozen numbness. We just go numb. It's like rabbit in the headlights, deer in the headlights kind of experience, and we, we do nothing. We're just frozen there. Neither of those things are skillful ways of actually dealing with the situation. And there's no... The thing is, there's no... There's no... There's no rule book 
on what you do in each unique situation. It, it's, it's, there's no right or wrong to it. It's just what you do the best you can um, to be skillful in, in dealing with situations. I'll give you an example of it from my, my personal life recently in the last couple of weeks. I was standing in a queue for something and there was a, a queue jumper who tried to um, take my position and uh, I stood my ground and uh, I wasn't going to let him jump the queue for me or other people who are around. So he said a few colourful words to me in front of everyone else, which was a, um, a, an assessment of my character. And, and it's in one of those situations, it's unpredictable, it just sort of comes up out of nowhere. And so I took him on in the sense of I said, what do you say? And I went up, eyeballed him, and I said, what do you say? And he mumbled something. And then I said a few words about his level of maturity in the situation. And then it, it ended there. Um, now, is that the right thing to do or not? I don't know. You could say from a Dharma perspective, it's the merciful avatar of Buddha coming to teach you something. You should just turn the other cheek, right? Maybe it's useful to reflect on these situations. Is that an appropriate response or not? But when you then keep going over it, um, and you're getting into the right or wrong of it, oh, I should, you know, and you're ruminating on what you did, then, then you're lost in your head again. It's you know? so kind of like, well, he said something and I just responded, and that's it, right? And then you get on with your life. But if you keep ruminating on it, oh, did I do the right thing or the wrong thing? You're just caught up in another story again. And one of the things that I've found through the years of doing dharma practice one of the things i found has changed within me and it keeps growing as i get older and the more i practice this and you may have experienced something like it in yourself as well but self-doubt starts to drop away and when self-doubt starts to drop away you're not constantly questioning are you right or wrong or right or wrong or right or wrong all the time you kind of just in the moment doing the best you can and and you don't keep ruminating on the various decisions that you make mm -hmm. and the more that you're free of self-doubt this is my way of describing my inexperience it's like all the wheels are spinning freely inside when there's no self-doubt it's not like they're stopping and starting and then jerking off again and going off this way and that way they all just kind of spin, do you know? But it's not a matter of because I'm right or wrong. It's just that there's, a, there's an absence of something that when I look back over years before when I was younger, I was full of self-doubt. Um, and that drops away with practice because you're not caught in the ruminating story all the time about what you do. Mm -hmm. One of the things... <clears throat> that also changes over time, and I'll refer to Zen koans and stories about this as well, but that you're, you're no longer so much um, looking towards an outside authority that you're measuring your experience against. Mm -hmm. And you may remember there's a very well-known koan, it's often misunderstood by people who don't do Zen practice, but 
when you meet the Buddha on the road, you kill the Buddha. When you meet Bodhidharma on the road, you kill Bodhidharma. Um, what it's referring to is that you're not placing an authority outside of yourself. Or to use another Zen expression, you're not putting another head on top of your own. There's something that happens with the maturing of practice where it's not as though you become um, a totalitarian, authoritarian yourself. That's, that's not it. But it's like you're not, you're not investing in outside authority and second-guessing yourself about everything you do. It just drops away. Mm -hmm. You're in the moment. You're in the flow of the moment. You respond as best you can to each situation as it, as it comes up. Mm -hmm. And you're not so much caught up in the the right or wrong, some, though there's some rule book out there as to what you need to do. So practicing things like calmful mindfulness, being aware, calmful assertiveness, being aware of situations that come up from the past that lead to you acting unskillfully in your life are all very important. But it's not a, it's not a top-heavy analytical thinking process if you if you stay with your body and you, and your body sensation that's that's where the wisdom will come from that's where the appropriate responses and sometimes you some i do things sometimes where i've acted inappropriately in a situation you reflect on it and you think yeah well i i could do that differently next time it's not as though there's not a need for learning from situations um but to constantly ruminate on whether you're doing the right thing or not all the time is it just takes you further away from from the richness of your life so if we return again to Thich Han's statement the present moment contains past and future the secret of transformation is how we handle this very moment mm -hmm.